Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Volley. I'm Carolyn April, and looking for my good buddy Seth. Seth Robinson, where are you? I'm here in Chicago, uh, having great weather. How are you doing there? Uh, the weather was, was nice this morning. It's starting to get a little dark and gloomy out there, so I'm thinking some rain. But I think the weekend is going to be nice. I'm looking forward to that. It's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day in advance. Oh, thanks. I have absolutely no plans. Um, but uh, I don't either. For the fathers in my life, I think my own father is busy this weekend. So, but anyway, just the sentiment is there. Are you um, surviving okay after the devastating Bruins loss? I know you know Boston oh, has not had much joy. Up. So, have to bring that up. Um, we're surviving okay. It was disappointing, honestly, but you know I can't complain too much about championship dearth around here since we've got plenty of them. Yeah. So hopefully. Yeah, hopefully the Red Sox will put it into gear and um, we'll have a chance at the World Series. And, you know, football starts in August, you know, so. Other football, time. like international football going on right now. I don't, have you been watching the World Cup? I know you were a, you were a soccer player back in the day. Yeah, no, I mean, I, ha- I have seen clips. It's just it's because it's in France. It's on at weird times of the day, so I can't really watch it live. But yeah. I've been trying to watch the U.S. women's team at least uh, in bits and pieces where I can. Hopefully this weekend I can catch up on some of that. Yeah, love the U.S. women's team. They're awesome. Well, today uh, we have something pretty special happening. Actually, one special thing that happened is on June 1st, we passed three years of volley. So we are kind of starting into our fourth year of volley here. So happy anniversary to us. And to help us celebrate, we are going to have our first ever repeat guest, Dave Sobel is the Senior Director of MSP Evangelism at SolarWinds. And Dave, I had to go back and look. I thought you were our very first guest, but we actually had Richard Tubb on right before we had you. So you were uh, episode five for us uh, way back in the day, and now you're back again. And I know that you uh, listen to Volley pretty frequently, so I, I think that might actually make you an official friend of the podcast. So oh, I'm so I'm honored. I'm honored to be the first repeat guest and official friend of the pod. Like, that, <laughs> how cool is that? Yeah, no, I am a volley listener. Uh, I, I, I actually uh, listen to you guys on a pretty regular basis because I, I love the analysis. It also gives me heads up when research is out and, and that kind of stuff. So I'm God, I'm so happy to be here and, and we'll have some fun with us. Yeah. And I, and Dave, I know since the last time we had you, you're doing your own podcast now with a few people. Do you want to tell people what that one's all about? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so it's called Killing It, the the spin on Killing IT. So it's Ryan Morris uh, of Morris Management Partners, Carl Polchuk, and myself, a weekly podcast each week riffing on three topics of interest to us. We are we do solicit topics from uh, from listeners, but it's things that we're thinking about in the IT industry with usually a slant of what does it mean for the channel and how do you make money off of it? How do you convert it into an opportunity? We're on all the favorite podcatchers, uh, Apple Podcasts and, and stuff like that. You can look up uh, Killing It uh, online. Great. Um, I'll put a link to that in the show notes here so that yeah, if people want to click through and check yeah. it out, they can. We've been, ha- we've been having fun and, and trying to have uh, b- both serious and uh, lighthearted conversations at the same time. <laughs> Good. I'm just Good. trying. To, I'm just trying to figure out, Dave, how the three of you don't talk like, to dominate the conversation. Who, who? How do you referee one another? That you know, it, it three talking heads like us. Yes, exactly. Moves a mile a minute. <laughs> we've because we have it's all threes, three hosts, three topics, thirty minutes. It's 
it, there's a rhythm to it. We've man- we're managing to not crush one another in terms of ideas. Oh, I can't wait to I can't wait to start listening. Well, I think today's conversation might be a little more on the lighthearted side. So we asked Dave to come on because we had an idea that we thought he would be well suited for, and we we haven't talked to Dave yet about his thoughts for this idea. So this is going to be him throwing things out and us kind of reacting. But we wanted to talk about in the IT landscape, in the channel world, what is the one most overrated topic that's going around and what's the one most underrated topic that's going around. So should we start with the overrated topic? Yeah, let's start with overrated. Okay. So Dave, what do you think is the most overrated topic that we have these days? There are so many good ones. <laughs> there are so many things that I can pick off the pile and go, oh, I'm so over. It's so not interesting. But actually, for me, digital transformation is the most overrated one. Here's my sort of rant on it, the, the like why I dislike this so much. Because I look at it and I say, this is digital transformation is a way of packaging consulting services to people that want to buy things. Like that's the way that I look at it. Because because I say like you know, it, it, digital transformation is is like oh wow, the use of technology to change your business. Huh. Isn't that like every implementation of technology ever? Isn't that what we've been talking about the whole time? Mm-hmm. Are there consultants back in the steam days that were going back to the and, and saying in the industrial revolution saying, oh, you know, this is this is industrial transformation. I'm sure there were consultants whiffing on that, too. Business moves on technology. We've talked about the fact that businesses are becoming technology companies inherently. I believe in that trend. But trying to call out this moment of digital transformation, I just think is BS. And it's it's just overrated. It's just the new name on something we've been doing continuously for as long as we've been in technology. So I, that's my number one. What it is is indicative of a problem I think we've always had in this industry, and it's about nomenclature. We we we're the buzzword industry out there, and 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 I think digital transformation. I know it's meaningful in a sense, you know. Um, it's just in the next iteration of of what we're doing with technology, but it it's basically just a name. It's right. just a name, and yeah, it's just a name, right? And 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 that's for me why it's so overrated because it's it's like you know because it's because I feel like there's this movement to call out the you well you must be on your digital transformation journey and this this and it's 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 that whole fear of movement thing that we're just trying to create fear that you've got to do this. Mm. It's like, I mean, yeah, it's true. You got to do this. This is part of doing business now. Customer expectations have changed. They've elevated, but I just think of this this branding and this naming as super overrated. <laughs> so I won't disagree with any of that. Uh, I will play devil's advocate just a little bit and say okay. the one piece of digital transformation that I think is unique and worthwhile is when it points to the fact that businesses need to change their underlying processes. And I think that's unique for this moment in time because I see a lot of businesses thinking that they're going to adopt new technology that just takes the place of an old model and their processes are going to stay the same but the new technology is going to come in and just provide more efficiency than the old model did. I I still think a lot of businesses aren't quite realizing that. With that said, 
Dave, that probably is still just another part of your argument that this is a longstanding thing that's been happening, right? You know, yeah, businesses always totally. have to change their processes. So yes, to label it digital transformation and then try to build a cottage industry around that, maybe a bit much. Right. And, and it feels like we've had a lot of that. We've got a lot of people reports on digital literature. There were your digital transformation specialists where they like it. You can see people building this industry. And I'm going to quip. I'm going to borrow from Ryan uh, on this one because he says it says it so well. Change is optional. And so is survival. (laughs) These are optional. You can you can choose not to change. And you can also choose not to survive. Uh, you know, you, you do have to keep up. Like, but that's a constant. I don't think that by calling out digital transformation, it almost is implying that, well, there's this moment of transformation that you have to be doing this now in particular because of because of whatever trends. And I just look and I say, if you're not constantly changing and evolving as a business, you're probably missing something. Well, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to debate that a little bit, Dave, because in a lot of the studies that we do and when we talk when we talk to channel companies in particular um, and we talk to them about this type of change. So many of these companies are so very small. You know, they've got 10 employees or fewer. They're mom and pop type shops and they're doing just fine. They're putting their kids through college. They pay in their mortgage and they're living their lifestyle and they don't need to go through this whole digital transformation and many of them are approaching retirement age and they're kind of like mm, shrugging their shoulders not for me I'm good you know and so I do agree with Ryan's premise there that if you have if you're thinking growth and you're a younger company and you really want to go for it you have to change and you have to evolve but there is a huge segment of today's channels that does not need to be bombarded with this message that they will they're going to go out of business if they don't do this massive transformation I am in total agreement but what I, but I'm also highlighting the change means different things for different people. Is that channel provider doing exactly the same thing they were doing 10 or 15 years ago? No, they have been changing in different ways. They've changed on the technologies they deliver or the way they implement. And we, even in those those small organizations, there's such a press on security concerns that they are having to make some changes. Sure. You, you're not selling the same technologies. You're not implementing the same way. You're not thinking about this in the same way. There are differences in it. Isn't and it I really just, the difference between tinkering, though, versus incremental tinkering versus massive transformation? Well, and, but but I think that's the I think that's the bit why I say it's overrated is is that I don't think massive transformation is actually the right way to do this in most cases. I think if you you're, you're, you know that constant improvement process is actually the way that, that that I find companies go really well. There are of course always disruptions, but if you're constantly making incremental changes, you can change course much faster and easier than anybody else. Well, I look and say it's overrated because everyone's trying to make it into this big thing. And I look at it and just say it's actually just good execution on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah, I think this is a, a great point that we wrestle with so much because, you know, we, we are asked, like the three of us might be frequently asked to get up on stage or join a podcast or whatever and make a proclamation. And we make a proclamation, but it just doesn't apply equally to all people. At the same time, we've got different people in the audience saying things. So on the one hand, you might have a medium-sized business that's saying, I really want to grow. I really want to do things, but I'm not really going to invest in new technology or whatever. And that's where like Ryan's message might apply a little bit more to them. Then you might have a really small person that comes up and say, 
I'm not looking to grow at all. I'm happy where I am. You know, I'm, I'm fitting into the mold that Carolyn described. What do I need to know about 5G? And like the answer is, well, nothing. If you're not trying to grow, like <laughs> right. you probably don't need to know anything. I, I think that that's one thing that like all of us should be aware of, like us, you know, giving the messages and those people that are asking the questions of like, what are you asking for? You know, is it just curiosity or are you trying to grow? Right. You know, but, it, I, but I'll, I'll actually, your example's really good about 5G because for that small provider who goes, well, what do you need to know about 5G? Nothing. I might, I might actually tweak that and go, well, maybe not. Because if you th if you think about 5G and the way that's going to roll out, so we're we're not far away, right? We're 18 months away from some level of major rollout across the U.S. I think we can sort of agree that's probably a reasonable timeline. I don't think it's that much further away to the point where you start making decisions about the way you deploy devices, deciding that maybe I'm going to put them on the public internet rather than connect them to a private network. And if your time frame for continuing to run your business exists within that, that scope, you're going to need to know that at least non-zero numbers of your, your customer base or potential customer base are going to be considering new architectures. Now, I'm not necessarily saying run out there and change your business and completely redo, but are, we live in a business of change. If you're not constantly, ah, you know, close, not close, make some decision, be a little informed, I think there's something to that. And so it's it's just this element of like how big and how massive is that transformation. I actually would prefer lots of small adjustments. And that's where I, I look at it and say, you know, you're doing little adjustments, you're doing you're incremental changes, because I think that makes business nimble and, and able to respond. I, I just would push back and go, don't assume just because you're like kind of happy with all the way things are that you don't have to change at all. I think there's a little bit of, a bit of that. And by the way, and, and Caroline, I think you're 100% right. I always want to observe, I want to celebrate that you know, individual owner business who runs a uh, runs a business and has a great career and feeding that you know employing people and fe putting food on their their uh, family's table. Like I think that's to be celebrated. That's a good thing for for the economy for for the uh, for society for business. Like that's a good thing. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I just actually want those people to stay in business. <laughs> yeah, I think the problem is going back to your original point here, Dave. Is 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 the terminology. It's daunting to a small company to say you need to be on a digital transformation journey. A small business owner is like, what? You know, I mean, and you're right. right. Yes. Yeah, so it's sort of like, you're right. We need to change the language of how we discuss this to make companies understand that what we're talking about here are incremental changes to your business that reflect the direction that the technology and the industry is going it's baby steps and but just get on the get on the treadmill and start moving you know in that direction and so maybe really this is all about terminology as i said it's just the nomenclature of this is it's, it's too grandiose yep pundits like us love it right we get to come yeah. on and talk about the big themes it's it's actually less sexy to talk about the like hey i want you to make small incremental changes in your right. business on a regular basis it's not a you know, cool way for us to be pundits and talk about it. But actually, it's really where the most value is. Yeah, so okay. that's actually a, a great transition into what's underrated. What's the one change that maybe people should be thinking about a little bit more that they're not right now? All right, so you're gonna get my you're gonna get me on my soapbox for a minute here because All this right. is oh my, we had this, we didn't before. <laughs> well, exactly. I'm gonna switch soapboxes. 
<laughs> so there was there was a, a Gartner report that looked at the the great you know, the lar- largest trends of 2019. I think was the was the one, and and it's as you it's you know a top ten of course because we've got to have a nice round number. What was interesting to me about it is there were nine technologies and one thing that is I think sort of societal, and that was digital rights and privacy. And I actually will make a ca- a bit of a case for I think this is underrated. Like I think what's happening in terms of the discussions around privacy and information management and ethics around the way that technology is used, even for as much as it gets a lot of news right now, I think it's underhyped because I think that, that, that channel companies, there's a massive opportunity here, but I think actually have a critical role to play in bridging this and delivering some real value to their their customers and in a way i also don't think this is an i don't think there's enough here and because when we when we talk about like the difference between a solution provider that's like worried about being commoditized and the one that's delivering high value you know the one that's delivering high value is actually having conversations about like what might happen with your data and what the risk is and how you can be a good steward of it and what your responsibilities are for your own data and the way your data is being managed and the company and all of that like that's super high value and it's hard (laughs) and i and i think it's it's actually where like you know plug CompTIA here for a minute. It's like why getting involved with CompTIA matters. Like CompTIA has a public policy arm. <laughs> like that they're involved in this at a large scale as well as helping give advice. So for me, the my, my underrated trend is because is this whole ethics and digital privacy. I, I would agree with you there. And I think there's 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 a bit of an issue though when it comes to the whole privacy mindset, I think, in the United States. I know you spend a fair amount of time in, in Europe where privacy considerations are, are serious there. I mean, they've got legislation and all kinds of uh, mandates and policies about it. What I found, though, among people talk a good game about privacy and caring about their data here in the United States, but they're willing to give over anything and everything. Um, and, 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 the, and so there's this strange there's this strange contradiction in what people say they want everything protected, but you talk to the average, or especially young people today, they're not safeguarding a single thing about themselves. And so it's a very interesting thing. I think you're right. To, when, to take it to the business level and talk about solution providers, I think it's essential that every one of them, regardless of what type of practice they lead with, they have to have some sort of privacy, data security um, expertise wrapped around that because if they're not able to have that conversation with their customers, you know, they're they're competitive disadvantage. Yeah, but I, I'm also looking wider too. I mean, I look at it the way digital technologies are being used to for influence, for you know, to 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 make changes the way way information, way companies are processing information to to market to you and to change opinions and and some of the the implications of technology. There's a lot of really cool stuff that that we're doing. Doing in technology, but one of the things that we aren't often doing is thinking is is doing the negative side. I like to talk about it. anybody who's a fan of the show Black Mirror on mm-hmm. Netflix, right? Why is not every technology company going? What's the Black Mirror episode that like totally distorts the thing that I'm making? <laughs> like, what's the horrific version of this out there? And how do I make sure that that doesn't happen? You know, and and because because you can see this escalation of the kinds of things that are happening. Let, let's think about what what's happened from a kind of 
traditional virus attack kind of thing. Remember, remember the days when viruses were just sort of annoying, right? Yeah. Like they, like when when these things. And then we then we went to you know these these forms of malware and 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 ransomware. And then you know we shut the machine down. Now we're ransoming people. You know what if it becomes extortionware? What if it becomes uh, you know where where you're actually you know really leveraging in a much more targeted ways? And by the way, we're starting to see that. Anybody catch? Did you catch what Radiohead did this past week? It's really clever, right? So radio for those who didn't catch the story, uh, Radiohead, the band, had a bunch of their data stolen by hackers who turned around and tried to ransom it back to them, saying, "We will release all of this data, you know, if you don't pay us." Jeez. Well, the band very cleverly said, "Screw you! We're just going to put it out there, and we're going to sell it for you know any amount people want to pay, and we're giving all the money to charity." So, ah. kudos to them for the response. But now think the business scenario on that. Yeah, it's not ransomware; it's extortionware. That's the next version of this, and I, and I think you know people are we're not having enough conversations. Like we almost, and it's we as technology professionals, industry experts, like we're the people that need to help educate other businesses, society at large, government on like the thing on the on the way this can be addressed. Like we have to be part of the conversation in order to move all of us to a better place. Yeah, and I I think that your example there kind of underlines a point that I think I made in uh, our recent AI study, which was, we've been saying for a long time, when we talk about big data, and we talk about data management, we've been saying data is the new currency. And we say that to kind of say, hey, data is really important now. But if you stop and think, it's like, no, no, data is the new currency. <laughs> so what are you doing right. to protect your money? Because then right. you, you should be thinking all those, those same things about your data. And... I, I don't think businesses are anywhere close to that, right? You know, no. the, the, the way they handle their money, they get very serious about it. You know, and the way they handle their data, they're like, well, we've got to move it around and we want to be flexible and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, no, this is, this is your money now. Yeah, and, and I would be remiss. Your, your analogy is really great because, by the way, banking is a regulated industry. Yeah, <laughs> right. And data is not currently a regulated industry. I don't think we're far from that conversation actively starting. In fact, I mean, we could start today. Like today, there are starting to be hearings on the Hill on, on some of this kind of information. We, to the technology industry, technology professionals, we have to be part of that conversation because, by the way, we are the experts. Like, we understand this far more than our, you know, than anybody else. And by the way, particularly more than our customers. So when I talk about like that, that you know, being underrated, I mean, it's that we need to be having that conversation to help educate everybody into what this is, the responsibility is not just to talk, you know, say, hey, this is an opportunity. It's our responsibility is to get out there, educate your customers, like make sure they understand that so that they too can speak intelligently and engage, you know, both business perspective, but also from a society society perspective and, and start addressing it. Carolyn, you brought up, you know, what's going on in Europe. Like they, they are farther ahead. Mm -hmm. If we're looking at this from a from a US perspective, we actually are going to have different standards. We have to. Uh, it was brought to my attention recently by uh, some some you know doing some in investigation and thinking on this that the uh, GDPR's right to be forgotten. So the ability to be completely to ask for a business to be taken away is actually uh, counter to the First Amendment. That mm. the government the government can't put in force a right to be forgotten because they can't uh, they can't get involved because of First Amendment. At least some legal scholars think so. So at the very minimum, we know we can't we're not going to replicate GDPR because we just can't. It's a different set of laws. Right. So 
we've got to be driving this conversation somehow. So, so Dave, thinking about channel companies specifically in, in, with in, with respect to this topic, it, for them to make um, a practice out of this, or is this, or is this just a a, a general type of consulting that sits on top of what they already do. I mean, do you think the channel is well-versed enough in this t- these issues today to be doing a service to their customers? Because I find that a lot of the companies that I anecdotally speak to, you know, they're not as deep into this stuff as as they probably should be. Well, so, so back to our immediate point of, well, it, it, we can't have one answer that will fit all size companies. Right. Uh, so it, to be, to, to use our own speech for just a couple of minutes ago, Hey, we've got to find the right tier that works for the right level of company. Yeah. Um, if you're a, if you're a small organization, I think this is probably about, you know, reading and disseminating information and just being involved, like, and, and making sure that you're connecting and, and following the right topics and helping to educate your, your customers. I could go very, just as tactical as, do you have a newsletter, small company? Are you educating your customers on issues mm-hmm. of technology that they need to do, that they need to know about? Like, you can just help from that perspective. Um, does it move into consultancy? Maybe. Does it move into, if you want to, if you're growing, if you're growing business, do you build the practice. I think there's opportunity there. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't be highlighting this if it's underrated because I think there's opportunity there. I think the, the first groups that build practices around this that are, are going to be the ones that either are already doing it, they're super successful, or they're going to be. And, you know, and, and I think that there is, there's also that element of, you know, get involved from a, I would be remiss if I didn't say on whatever side of the political spectrum you are, you need to be involved in that, that discussion. Um, because we can definitely know that with only in the, again, if we're talking U.S., only about 4% of, of our elected officials come from an engineering and technology background, uh, they need help. <laughs> so yeah. it is our, as our, as experts, it is our job to get involved in that conversation. Agreed. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good end cap there. Yes. Yeah, I think that's a great place to leave it on some advice for our audience. Uh, Dave, thanks very much for joining us again. Uh, it was excellent to have you back. This was a fun conversation. I didn't know where it was going to go, but uh, it was really instructive. And I, I, I hope that we can kind of take some of these things, you know, and and package them up for our audiences and and also think about them as we're trying to build those messages that we want to give to people that are trying to run their businesses. Well, thanks for having me. And, and I, you know, I, I plugged it once and I'll say it again. I, mean, like, I get involved with CompTIA for exactly these reasons. Like, and, and I look and say, you know, there's a lot going on in CompTIA around advocacy, the, around uh, messaging, education, you know, the combination of research and public policy and stuff like this is where these conversations happen. For listeners, you're listening already. You're engaged at some level with CompTIA. Yeah, th- th- this is where you're you're a step ahead. So um, uh, thanks for having me on. This was super fun. Oh, we'll and have to do everyone, it again. let's do it again in three years, right? Yeah, right. Hopefully, we, it's we not every three so years. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone, go check out uh, Dave's podcast, Killing It. And uh, Dave, we will see you shortly. I'm sure. See you at ChannelCon for sure. All right. All right. Take care, Seth. You too. Bye.